Hey everyone, I just want to address the elephant in the room before we get into this episode. Obviously, the Fresh Fantasy Podcast has not released an episode over the last couple of months. I should have dropped something giving an explanation. It was a mixed due of you know, personal things, technical things, but ultimately there is no excuse. But the plan is to go full force with the Fresh Fantasy Podcast at least two episodes a week for the entire season until New Year's. But over the next couple of weeks, there might be more than two episodes dropping for the first time to catch you up and get you some extra fantasy football goodness. So I appreciate you tuning in and enjoy the first episode with Marcus Grant. What's up, the Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the ninth episode of the season. Today, we're going to be talking about the most underrated players at each position, and joining me today is a man who is one of the faces of the biggest football networks on the planet. He is talented, handsome, and also the host of the Fantasy Life Podcast with over 100,000 total social media followers. He is back on the show for another appearance. He is none other than Marcus Grant. Marcus, how are you feeling today? We are about two weeks from training camp at the time of this recording. How are you feeling now that we are getting closer and closer to the NFL season? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to take these last couple of weeks to sort of, you know, make sure I'm rested and recharged. Uh, you know, training camp opens in a little bit. So uh, this is sort of the last couple of weeks for summer vacation for me. So uh, just, just trying to get my mind right because the season will be here before you know it. Seriously, it comes it comes so fast. And, and by the way, for today, just for the listeners to clarify, like we are talking about the most underrated players. But as we all know, the ADP is different on every single site, whether you play on NFL or underdog or you play on ESPN, whatever it is, the ADP is always going to be different. But more than anything today, these are players that Marcus and I both really love and that we are really excited about for this season and that we see a lot of big potential. So, Marcus, you are our guest today. We will start with you at the quarterback position. Who is a quarterback right now that is you feel like is not getting enough love in fantasy football? Uh, I feel like it's Tua, Tua Tungavailoa. Um, and I think, I think the reason for that, though, is just that everybody's worried about the injury situation. We saw what happened last year with the concussions, and I just think there's concern that if he takes another big hit or two and has another concussion, how long will he be out? But right now, he's going on a lot of sites around QB10. And this is a guy who uh, looked great when he was on the field last year and I think has the potential certainly to be a top eight quarterback. And I think if things break right and maybe he exceeds expectations, maybe he ends up knocking on the door of the top five. I mean, he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They've got some decent running backs. There's still a chance they bring in Dalvin Cook. Who knows? Um, I just think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Tua. And as long as he stays healthy, I think, I think it's, it's definitely potential uh, that he'll end up being a big draft value by the end of the season. Is there any player like if, if again, if he hits that, you know, top five mark, potentially, it's probably going to be at least somebody outside of Tyree Killer, Jalen Waddles, whether a pass catcher or a running back. Who do you think at this point is like the most likely candidate to be like the number three guy on the Dolphins offense, whether a running back or receiver? Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the hard part is trying to figure yeah. that out. I mean, I think, you know, you've got a guy. You, 
Devon A. Chain, the rookie, I think has a chance to really be a part of the passing game. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be kind of spread around when you've got all those running backs back there. But I mean, you look sort of at the rest of that depth chart. Braxton Berrios could get a whole lot of opportunity. Uh, I know, you know, some people like Chosen Anderson, formerly known as Robbie, uh, to, to get some opportunities. So I don't think there's going to be just one guy that they lock in. I think you're going to see Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle get the bulk of them. And then whoever that third target's going to be is sort of be spread around. And if somebody actually steps up and uh, and takes the reins, then maybe we get a third guy. But I, it's not anybody that I, I would think you're drafting, expecting it to happen. Yeah, I think one of the things I really like about this offense, too, is like you talked about the guys like Braxton Berrios or the artist formerly known as Robbie Anderson, <laughs> and that both of these guys play different roles. They're not just like, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle clones. I mean, Braxton Berrios can play inside. He can play the slot. Robbie Anderson can play, you know, pretty much any role. I don't know about well, but he will probably more likely be a deep threat. But I think with all the roles they have for these guys, and I think with the lack of of maybe running back production in this year, I, I think the big things could be coming for Tua. But another person that they could have massive things coming is Justin Fields. I know Justin Fields is getting a lot of love right now, but I think that Justin Fields should be going as a top five fantasy quarterback, period. I mean, this is the year where you get the third year rushing QBs that totally take off like your Josh Allen's and Jalen Hurts. What do those guys have in common? They added an all-star wide receiver before they had their biggest breakout season. And now Justin Fields adds DJ Moore. He is going to get Darnell Mooney back. But the biggest things, even last year, he was the quarterback three in points per game from week six on behind only Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Justin Fields is also number one in the NFL in fantasy points per snap and finished as a top 10 QB in nine of his last 10 games. He's as consistent as it gets. He's amazing. And I think that he is going to take another step forward in year three. Do you worry at all about these pass catch catching weapons being truly amazing? And you think that could hold Justin Fields back, though? The the one fear I have with Justin Fields is the other two guys you mentioned, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, not only did they get a big-time receiver in their third year, they also improved significantly as passers. And not saying that Justin Fields can't, um, I hope he does, because if 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 what we've seen from him is, you know, if it's not much better this year, then he's probably hit his ceiling. Now, granted, that ceiling is still a top seven, top eight fantasy quarterback just on the rushing ability alone. Um, I just wonder, because, you know, like you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, he's had MVP seasons. He's never been a big time passer. Um, I think, you know, for him to take that Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts leap, we need him to get to about 3,500 passing yards. I'd like him to get to about 30 touchdowns. I worry about that a little bit, but I still think the floor for Justin Fields is pretty safe. And so I know, I know he's going as a top five quarterback. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah, especially, I mean, that's that's the point here is I think that like he's already a lock to be a top 10 quarterback, you know, if he stays healthy. And he did that last year behind only Mahomes and Hurts over the last two-thirds of the season on 149 passing yards per game. Imagine if that number gets up to 200 or maybe even 250. Big things coming for Justin Fields. But let's move on to the running back position. Who's the guy for you right now that is your favorite running back to draft right now at value? Uh, a guy that I'm really coming around to recently has been uh, James Cook in Buffalo. Ooh. And, you know, I know there's some questions about whether or not he can step in and be that number one guy. I think we saw later in the season that he was starting to get some more opportunities. What I love is that he is going to get targets in the passing game. We know with this offense, Stefan Diggs is going to get the majority of the targets. After that, 
there's really no established number two target. I mean, we argue, we've argued over Gabe Davis how for how long now? Uh, I mean, I do think Dalton Kincaid gets some opportunities. I think Dawson Knox gets a few opportunities. But I do think James Cook is going to be used as that pass catcher. And it's been frustrating because the Bills keep bringing in pass catching backs and not throwing them the ball. I think it happens this year. Uh, I know Damian Harris is on the roster there. I'm not quite as worried about him taking a ton of opportunities. You're talking about a guy who should get a lot of touches, a lot of snaps, in a very high-powered, dynamic offense. Uh, and, and right now, where he's coming off the board, I will take swings at James Cook because I think the upside is tremendous. What do you say to the people that that talk about the fact that James Cook is you know listed at under 200 pounds and he never saw 15 or more carries in a game at the NFL or even a college level? Like, what do you what do you say to those people? Because that's like the biggest argument against him right now. Yeah, I, I'd say just because my my thing with that is just because you've never seen a guy yeah. do something doesn't mean that he can't do something. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think you talk about guys who are maybe a little bit smaller in terms of weight. I mean, Tony Pollard's I think just just a little bit over two hundred pounds, right? But we've yeah. seen some smaller guys go out there and be successful in this league as pass catchers. And I think with the Bills' offense, um, you know, I don't know how many times you're going to see teams stack the box when you've got a quarterback like Josh Allen and a receiver like Stephon Diggs. So, I mean. I I guess I understand the argument, but I, I think until we know for sure that he can't do it, uh, I'd like to bank on the fact that he possibly can. Yeah, I think my my only thing, and I I don't hate James Cook just in the range that he's going. There's been 13 top 12 running backs over the last 20 years to finish there under 200 pounds. Where we're drafting James Cook, we're not asking him to be a top 12 running back, but I think for me personally, I'm trying to chase that upside, but I just. Oh, it's so hard with James Cooks. I think that he is probably the best pass catcher Josh Allen's ever had, which could be a really big role in that offense, especially when Devin Singletary was top five in yard in routes run at the running back position over the last two years. I mean, that role could completely be going to James Cook. The guy for me is Cam Akers. I mean, he was the running back five over the last seven weeks of last season. I mean, everyone knows we've all talked about the fact that he's coming off an Achilles injury, but he was also seventh in yards after contact per attempt over the last their whole season last year behind only Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Damian Pierce. That's really good company to be in. The biggest reason that I love Cam Akers is just the opportunity this year. I mean, Darrell Henderson is gone. Ronnie Rivers has nine career touches. They drafted the sixth round rookie in Zach Evans, and they have undrafted second year running back Kyron Williams. I mean, Sean McVay said himself that Cam Akers is going to be a central figure in this offense. Sean McVay historically has almost always gone to bell cow running back. So purely off opportunity alone with the talent that Cam Akers was coming into the NFL, if that Achilles injury isn't bothering him, I don't see how he fin doesn't finish inside the top 20 this year. No, I completely agree. And it's funny because I was going back and forth when I was picking my most underrated guy between James Cook and Cam Akers because I oh, wow. do love Akers a lot this year. <laughs> I think mostly because very little has changed. I mean, you know, they, they are hoping to get a full healthy season out of Cooper Cup, and so we know he's going to get targets. But I go back to last year where it seemed like the Rams kept trying to break up with Cam Akers, but they couldn't find a better option, right? I mean, Daryl Henderson, as you mentioned, sort of faded away. Um, they tried. There were a couple games late in the season, if you go back and look, where Kyron Williams actually played more snaps in a few games than Cam Akers. And in, I think it was like two or three games. And in all of those games, Akers outperformed him with fewer snaps and fewer touches. And I think it's just come to a point where the Rams sort of realize that Akers is their best option in the backfield. And as you mentioned, that depth chart doesn't scare me at all. Um, I think the other upside to this is you've got an offensive line that's not going to be particularly good. 
Uh, you've got an old and kind of immobile quarterback in Matthew Stafford. That could mean a lot of cheap dump-offs. Maybe not on the level we saw with Najee Harris two years ago with Ben Roethlisberger, but it could be a lot of situations where you just have some panic targets where Matthew Stafford just needs to get rid of the football, and Cam Akers is sort of the guy just kind of standing around waiting for him. Well, especially when his, his other you know options for the panic targets are Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek, and Tyler Higby. I mean, right. like I know that Cam Akers hasn't demonstrated the two true pass-catching upside, but it's not like there's anyone else in that offense that has outside of Cooper Cup. So I think that you're right that he may have some underrated receiving upside, but that will remain to be seen. But what about the wide receiver position? I mean, where, where do you go there? Because wide receivers, there's probably more drafted of that position than any other in fantasy football drafts. So I is there am... anyone that stands out for you? Yeah, I'm I'm going back to the well, and I'm going back to the Brandon Ayuk takes. Um, and and it was two seasons ago. I think everybody was on Ayuk, and I was on Ayuk. And I remember, I think it was in the Scott Fishbowl um, in 2021. I was targeting Ayuk. He got drafted, you know, you know, three four picks ahead of me. So I'm like, ah, fine, I'll settle for Debo Samuel. And that ended up being the huge Debo Samuel year. So it sort of worked out. But then last year you started to see Ayuk really turn into the player that we thought he could be. And here's the thing, I don't think, any, I don't think it had to do with his skill set in terms of route running and, and pass catching ability. It was more that he kind of bought into what Kyle Shanahan wanted, which means he was out of the doghouse and he got on the field more, was playing more snaps. And now this year, he's totally bought in. I mean, last year he led the team in receiving yards, uh, led the team in routes run by a pretty significant margin. Uh, and at least all the drum beats out of out of 49ers camp has been that he looks amazing. I mean, Debo Sam, I think, made some comment about how you couldn't cover him in a phone booth right now. Kyle Juszczyk saying he looks like a completely different player. Everything really is pointing toward Brandon Ayuk, uh, who had a really nice season last year, maybe having a big takeoff season this year. And I think people are still skeptical, maybe because there's so many weapons for San Francisco, maybe because people aren't sold on Brock Purdy. I don't know what it is. But I'm once again, I'm, I'm backing up to the pay window and, and seeing if I can get some Brandon Ayuk. That's really interesting. The only thing that like worries me with Brandon Ayuk is obviously like, I think that we would both agree this will probably be one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL, period. Mm -hmm. My problem is they had one year in 2020 where they were like the worst, one of the worst defenses in the league. That was the most passing volume they ever had. Every single other year over the last four years, they've been under 30 pass attempts per game. And with I would argue one of the best defense in the NFL this year. They're not going to need to pass a ton. They still have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. Do you worry about the fact that like there isn't a big pie to have in the passing game? Or do you think that where Brandon Ayuk is going right now, simply at the around the wide receiver 30 range, how is he not going to break out when he's shown that he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL? Yeah, I'm not so much worried about the pass volume because, as you mentioned, they are incredibly efficient. And one of the yeah. things that Kyle Shanahan is able to do is set his guys up to, to do work with the ball in their hands, to do work yeah. after the catch. I mean, it's a thing that Debo Samuel has been great at in his career. Brandon Ayuk is very good. Um, you know, for all of the faults that Jimmy Garoppolo had, one thing he did do is put his pass catchers in situations where they could run after the catch. And so, you know, maybe Brandon Ayuk's targets, his overall targets won't be as high as, say, a number two receiver on another in another offense. But I do think if he has room to run, I think his, his just the efficiency overall, this off this 49er offense, uh, their ability to score consistently, I think it's going to make him a really, really good value. Yeah, those are a lot of a lot of really great points there. For me, the person that I have to go that is on the other side of just the volume king. It's none other than Deontay Johnson going as the wide receiver 28 right now. 
the most important thing. I charted every wide receiver since 2000 with 130 or more targets. And Deontay Johnson has surpassed 140 in three straight years. So since 2000, 96% of players with 140 plus targets finished top 24, 74% finished top 12, and 39% finished top five. That means he was almost a lock for a top 24 finish last year. And last year was a complete outlier. He was also targeted at least 24% of the time per route in back-to-back years. Every other player to do that is going top 20 right now in ADP. He also led the NFL in ESPN open score, grading how well they got open. And he owns three of the top 12 best ESPN open scores in the history of them charting. It's only been five years, but to own three of the top 12 scores for any wide receiver in the NFL, how can you not be buying Deontay Johnson right now? No, I completely agree. And it's funny. I think I think the disconnect with Deontay Johnson comes with, you know, folks like us who spend a lot of time looking at these sorts of things versus, you know, maybe more casual fans because, you know, you can sit and you can list off all those stats that you just did about Deontay Johnson. All these metrics, all these things that say he's a really good receiver and then somebody who's maybe a more casual look at him and be like, he didn't score any touchdowns last year. And it's hard to really argue against it. You're like, yeah, he didn't. But look at all the other things he did great. Yep. So, and I think if, I mean, we talk about, you know, regression and positive regression all the time, right? There is no bigger candidate for positive touchdown regression than Deontay Johnson. He, he, he had zero last year. You can't have fewer than zero touchdowns. He's going to get in the end zone some more this year. Uh, I don't care who's playing quarterback. Deontay Johnson is going to be the top target in Pittsburgh. And I do think people are starting to come around or are starting to come around to him. I thought it was funny. Uh, early in draft season, George Pickens was getting drafted ahead of Deontay Johnson. And it was like a couple of people just sort of woke up and they're like, what is going on here? And it just kind of started to spread across the fantasy community. And now that has flipped. So now my only hope is that the ADP for Deontay doesn't go too, too high. Cause right now he is kind of a value. Yeah, completely. If it gets it up into like the uh, the upper 20s where he's going around wide receiver 20 or 22 range, like that might be a little pricey where he's kind of going at cost and I'll be staying away. But at least right now, take advantage while you still can because that will probably not last too long. But what about tight ends? The hardest position in fantasy football. Is there any one guy you think that could either be a super high value in the top five or someone that could break out there this season? I think Tyler Higby is maybe being overlooked a little bit in drafts. Um, you know, I know that right, right now, like I'm a guy who tends to to go and try to get one of the, the top tier guys, maybe not a Kelsey, but a Mark Andrews or a TJ Hawkinson or somebody like that. But I do think there's value in if you want to wait till sort of the middle round and get a guy like Tyler Higby, sort of for the reasons we talked about with Cam Akers, Cooper Cup is going to get the majority of the targets, right? That That is not up for debate. After that, where they go, um, you know, you started listing off the wide receivers in that Rams depth chart, right? Like Ben Skoranek, Van Jefferson, Puka Nakua, who I know is everybody's sort of late round darling, Demarcus Robinson. There's nobody there that you look at and immediately think is going to command a ton of targets. And last year, even when Cooper Cup was healthy, uh, it was Tyler Higby who was the number two option in that passing game, much to the frustration of people like me who drafted Allen Robinson. Um, it was Tyler Higby that was getting a whole lot of work. And then when Cup went down, uh, Higby's target shot through the roof. So I still think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. I think he might end up being the second most targeted player in that offense. And if they are trailing again, you know, this year, the way they did a lot last year, that means there's going to be a lot of targets and a lot of opportunities for, uh, for Higby to get some, some passes thrown his way. 
Absolutely. I mean, especially when you look at, I mean, I, I posted this stats two days ago and it was their tight ends. There were only six tight ends in the NFL to post at least 145 fantasy points in the last two years each. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Pat Fryermuth, Tyler Higby. That's it. Those are like the most, it's literally the top four tight ends in ADP. And then those two guys who I think are both pretty big values just off the pure volume that they are going to see this year and the consistency. I really like Tyler Higby, but Marcus, the only guy I like a little more than Tyler Higby right now is none other than Chig Okonkwo, who just had the highest yards per route run of all time for a rookie tight end. The other guys in the top four are Kyle Pitts, Jordan Reed, and Mark Andrews. That's elite company. Beyond that, the Titans offense also has 45% of their targets that are vacated, up for grabs, could be to Chigakonkwo. And he was also targeted at the second highest rate per route in the NFL. You know who he was tied with? Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. To be targeted at that high of a rate, Kyle Pitts is the only one higher. Like he is just like reaching these elite metrics for a rookie tight end. And I know that it was on a little bit lower volume, but when you get it at tight end 11 right now, I think the upside is unlimited, especially with his athleticism. No, you're right. And I know a lot of people love Chica Conquo. I like Chica Conquo. Um, you know, I, you talk about the, the yards per route run and the, the target rate. Looks great. I wish it was a little bit of a larger sample size, but I'll yep. take what I can get at this point. And you're right. He's another one where after Traylon Burks, there's nobody there that looks like they can command a ton of targets. Nick Westbrook-Akine, Kyle Phillips. Uh, I mean, I'm mean, going through this, this, this depth chart, Racy McMath. I mean, there's nobody there that's like, yeah, this guy's going to just lock up a whole bunch of opportunities. Okonkwo can certainly do that. I will ask you, how concerned are you about DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee uh, and maybe sort of messing up the whole balance there? Yeah, I mean, as you we've noted all over Twitter over the last few days, DeAndre Hopkins is now the favorite to go to the Tennessee Titans. We don't know where he's going to sign at, the, at this point, but if he does go there, that obviously would be pretty detrimental to Chigga Conquo's value. Well, I like him, yes, but he's probably the number three option in a lower-volume passing offense, which doesn't help, especially with the season that DeAndre Hopkins last year where he's going to command at least 25 or 30% of the targets. So if Hopkins goes there, I might be avoiding Chickaconqua a little bit more in drafts, but he's probably going to go near the last round at that point. But for right now, I think he's a great value. Hopkins obviously would throw a dart in that. But we went through every position at our number one guy. But before we get into your 2023 flag plant, who do you think overall is the most undervalued in fantasy football, regardless of position? It might be Geno Smith. I mean, this is a guy who was, I think, what, QB6, I believe, last year, yeah. uh, who's being drafted around QB15 or so. Um, and I, I don't really get it. I guess, I guess the argument against him is that people are wondering whether or not last year was a fluke. And I don't think it was. I think what we saw out of Geno Smith was sort of the guy the Jets thought they were drafting all those years ago. I mean, he looked good, and now they've added more weapons there, right? They go out and they get Jackson Smith and Jigba. They get Zach Charbonnet, uh, Charbonnet out of UCLA, who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well as being a really solid running back. So it seems as though the Seahawks are really trying to build around Geno Smith, have, them, have him be the guy, and I think it's necessary, actually. You know, As much as Pete Carroll likes to play defense and run the football, 
when you are competing with the 49ers, with a Rams team that wants to be dynamic, with a, you know, when the Cardinals are healthy, and the Cardinals may be very bad this year, but uh, when the Cardinals are healthy, uh, you know, they want to throw the ball, they want to be up tempo. So I think it's almost necessary if you're the Seahawks to put together an offense that can challenge, that can be a little more vertical and, and, and be a little bit more high scoring. So I, I think that you know, maybe Geno Smith isn't the quarterback six, but I think he's definitely a top 12 quarterback. And right now you're getting him for much less than that. I mean, he's going around the QB 15 or 16 right now. Like that's yeah. just ridiculous value, especially when their offense only got better. And that was his first season as a starter in a, you know a number of years. This is, this, he should be even more comfortable going in as a starter. The coaching staff really hasn't changed much. And now they add in who I believe is by far the best wide receiver in the entire draft class. Again, I just don't really get it. I get why people want to fade him because it could have been like an aberration last year. But ultimately, I think that Geno Smith is a phenomenal draft pick where he's going. For me, the number one value in all of fantasy football is James Conner. I mean, in games without Kyler Murray, he averages 22 and a half fantasy points, which would have ranked number one among all running backs in both 2021 and 2022. His only competition for targets is Keontae Ingram, who was drafted in the sixth round, and Corey Clement, who has never seen 100 touches in a season. James Conner is also top 10 in fantasy points per game in each of the last two years, and he has been a top 25 running back in points per game for five straight years. Do you know where he's going right now, Marcus? They're running back 28, lower than any points per game season he's ever had. Kyler Murray expected to miss the first few weeks. Regardless, volume, volume, and volume is going to be in James Conner's hands this year. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be the biggest steal in fantasy. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because I, I drafted him uh, in my Scott Fishbowl team. I, I was able to – I, I, I kind of went right in – I waited a while to get any running backs, and then I got several in a row. So I got James Conner in the seventh round as RB25 wow. uh, on, on my SFB roster. And I'm, I'm sort of with you. I think the volume is really what's going to win the day because there's nobody else there in Arizona that's going to take a lot of opportunities from him. My only concern um, is just that the Cardinals may not score a lot of points. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to sort of take that risk, especially because I'm not drafting him, expecting him to be a top 12 guy, right? I'm expecting him to kind of be a low end RB two, uh, you know, high end RB three. So I'm willing to kind of take that risk just because, uh, you know, nobody's going to take carries from him. And I think he's going to get a good number of targets. Cause right now, what, what are you looking at? You're looking at, uh, Marquise Brown getting opportunities. Uh, you know, what Zach Ertz, uh, you know, got hurt last year and, and who knows when exactly he's going to be ready to go. So I think there's going to be more targets available for James Conner than I think a lot of people are anticipating, at least in the early part of the season. Well, beyond that, I think the, the biggest thing is like regardless of touchdowns, like the other argument with him is, is volume. I mean, like over the last 10 years of running backs, the average 16 touches per game. 99% of them, there's only been two misses, finished top 20, and 77% of those guys finished top 12. Like Someone would be crazy to tell me that John, James Conner will not average 16 touches per game this season. So if he hits that and he stays healthy, just off volume alone historically, he is almost a lock to finish the top 20 running back when right now he's going in almost the running back 30 range. But again, we'll digress on James Conner. The final question for you, Marcus, today is what is your 2023 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you believe in for this season? Uh, I don't know how bold it is, but I'm going back to the Kyle Pitts is going to be a top five tight end. And I know we've been saying it. And I mean, you want to you want to start a fight. Just bring up Kyle Pitts in fantasy Twitter and, you know, like you will get 
plenty of people on both sides the people who who believe and think you know this is finally going to happen the people who are already out on him i mean i've seen people saying in dynasty leagues they're trying to sell um sell on kyle pitts look you look at what he's done and you sort of touched on it earlier you talk about the the yards per route run you talk about the target rate um the fact that atlanta's passing game is fairly narrowly funneled, right? When you look at Lund- you look at Drake London, you look at Kyle Pitts, and yet maybe Mac Hollins gets a few. Bijan Robinson's certainly going to get some targets there. Maybe Cordero Patterson sprinkles in and gets a little bit there somewhere. But primarily, it's going to be Pitts and London there. And when you look at what they did last year, so much of their issues stemmed from a bad quarterback situation. I mean, I think part of the reason Arthur Smith was so run heavy is because he didn't really have a lot of faith in Marcus Mariota to throw the football consistently. And we kind of saw what happened when he did. The The number of uncatchable targets, the percentage of uncatchable targets that Pitts and London had last year were, uh, it was mind-boggling, basically. The, the number of throws that they just didn't really have a good shot at. The idea for me is that Desmond Ritter can't be much worse than that. And, and who knows, you know, maybe he's significantly better. But I just think that there's too much talent, there's too much draft capital that the Falcons spent in those two pass catchers. Um, and, and there's just too, there's too many good positive uh, attributes and metrics to believe that Kyle Pitts isn't going to turn into something decent, especially in the tight end position where, you know, we are looking for more heroes. We got, you know, we got a handful. We're looking for more heroes, and I think Kyle Pitts can be one. Yeah, I think that he is the like arguably the most talented tight end that's ever come into the NFL. It's just a matter of the usage. And again, we are one Desmond Ritter throws the ball for over 30 pass attempts per game season away from Kyle Pitts being a top five tight end. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I mean, last year, like we could I could sit here and probably list off 10 different stats and why Kyle Pitts is statistically like gonna be the most inevitable top five tight end in fantasy football. It's just a matter of is the volume going to be there. I absolutely love Kyle Pitts me last year but how can you give up on the highest drafted tight end of all time but that concludes it for our show today before we go marcus thank you for coming on the podcast today appreciate you for that but where can the people find you all your work and what the people what should the people be expecting from you over the next couple months well uh usually the best place to find what i'm doing is, is on twitter i'm posting stuff there you know where i'm doing it but uh if you're just looking around individually the nfl fantasy football podcast uh, we're doing that once a week, at least for now. We'll, we'll up it to a couple times a week once the season hits, me and Michael F. Florio. Uh, and then the Fantasy Life podcast, me and Dwayne McFarland, who Dwayne makes me smarter every time I sit down and talk to him. Uh, both of those you can find at all the normal spots, you know, uh, Apple and Spotify and, and what have you. So uh, you can look up for those there. And uh, stay tuned because coming up uh, back in the fall, I don't, I'm not sure the exact start date, but uh, NFL Fantasy Live on NFL Network will be back for another season. So me, Adam Rank, Michael F. Florio, Cynthia Freeland, the whole crew uh, should be back, I believe, probably in late August, I think. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have a, an actual start date for you. We'll let everybody know once we know. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait for that. But I cannot wait to have you back on the podcast again. He is Marcus Grant. I am Alex Caruso, and this is the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. And until next time, don't forget to keep chasing that upside.